Grace to you and peace from him who is and who is to come, Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord and Savior. Amen. Change can be hard to accept, but this last month of fall already forces us to see, see things in this one fact, they're dying. You're not going to stop creation's change. Creation's colors grow dimmer. And the encroaching cold is its own kind of sermon upon our lives. Of course, another change to consider is there regardless if we can even escape away from all the four seasons. As we use the service called Compline during Lent, you might recall in that prayer we use, and we pray to the Lord saying, Abide with us at the end of the day, at the end of our life, at the end of the world. Christians live in a bolder confession than the comage adage you hear commonly, change or die. This is because seeing any end sets us before Christ. And we know this one fact. He comes. The promotion of evolution today worships change as the pinnacle to life. Good or evil mean nothing, only change. On the last Sunday of the church year, the chaotic mess that we have to deal with change does not hold up. Whether you want to hold on to something or not, does not matter. You see, we hear, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. So a Tertullian, an early Christian father from the second century, wrote these words, The Son of Man is come, calamities and promises, both the grief of the nations and the longing of the saints. He who is common to both will end the one by inflicting judgment on the nations and will commence the other by fulfilling the longing of the saints. Since the last day is to reveal Christ's return in all glory and power, how blessed are we to notice him today? An open and shut case about the end still leaves a big question. Only a couple of days before his crucifixion, but Jesus was talking to a few of the disciples privately about the last days. They asked a frank question, and it begins at the very beginning of chapter 13. So it's, we're way past that and what you hear today. But the answers finally come to them. They, they ask the question, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? The answer by Jesus was lengthy and full of Old Testament depictions about the end of all things. It wasn't really anything new. For instance, the prophet Joel stated long ago, the earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, 
for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Jesus gave more than enough signs. But answering when is what he kept at a distance. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Jesus had a course set upon the cross. That's what he knew was going to take place. But the wind of the end, well, that remained a mystery. Not knowing the time might, but the temptation leaves as much room for neglect over the whole matter. The second coming of Christ will not be like the first. That was slow and steady, meticulous, with God in our flesh, destined to die and rise for sinners. His return will be cataclysmic, not to save the old dying creation, but to gather, to gather his elect from the ends of the earth. Here arises then an even bigger question than the time of when. But how do you know that you're one of the elect? Election is a hard topic. Not really. If you get it correctly, it's God's choosing by grace that comes out of the gospel. Or, if you don't get it that simply as a gift, every judgment will hang over your life with many kind of questions. Am I really one of the elect? And so our Lutheran fathers are kind of helpful. But before we consider them, understand that the ind that indifference towards these things is what sinners think about. But God is already calling and electing any by his word, desiring none to perish but to repent and trust the justifying work of Christ. And so our Lutheran fathers go with that and they say and confess this gift of the gospel that keeps being spread out through the nations and shared saying, this gift is an enduring consolation to all troubled and afflicted people, so that they know their salvation is not placed into their own hands. Otherwise, they would lose their salvation much more easily than was the case with Adam and Eve in paradise. To be on guard then is not the same as guardedness against others. Guardedness goes in the opposite direction, right? With what the disciples of Jesus were to do. Describing them to them the story of a man going on a journey. We know who this is. This is Jesus and his mission that was destined to the cross. And so by his death and resurrection and glorious ascension, Christ had the authority as both God and man, to put his servants in charge, each with his work. 
It was to spread and preserve the gospel. Just as he would finally gather in the harvest. And this is how. For you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he sent out the first church. And so the words of the apostles still go forward. Guardedness is stewardship gone bad. And the church and each Christian must not lose the gospel. And this is how you lose it. By self-protection or suspicion of others. Jesus says it pretty straightforward. He who saves his life is going to lose it. He who follows me in the gospel, who knows what this really means for your life, as you live it out in your families, each with his work, it's going to look a little differently, but you'll find it. So being on guard is to stop and consider on the last Sunday of the church here, the entrustment given from Christ. Do we dismiss our birthright by God's name among the baptized for a worldly timetable, just like Esau did with Jacob over a bowl of food? Remember that story? And do we do the same? world caught in change remains on the same course. Oh, we're changing it. We'll keep, keep doing stuff. We're dancing around the problem. There's an end. While Christ has promised, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. To be on guard calls the justified in Christ to remain together. For the word alone is to prevail over everything in his house. This good stewardship is going to pull at every part of our life. But servants on guard know even crosses and trials will not delay Christ's return. That's the point. Stay awake then by receiving what the king dares to give you in these days. The last day is not a gotcha by God, but to notice the times as they come today. There are signs of judgment, but the world will give its own interpretation to let any join the sleep of false security. Being already in the last day, signs of hysteria, forget the Lord, can come at any time. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. The suddenness of Christ's return speaks to the proclamation of his cross. And that's a good thing. Because remember, all that was prophesied by Joel, all that Jesus said, partly happened when Jesus died. The temple curtain was torn, the earth quaked, it became dark, and not a planned eclipse. They had a little piece of the end at that time. But you see, today, preaching Christ crucified means something great. Because the cross has become a tear to hell. 
into the eternal judgment of Satan. It means that today, faith sees the signs of grace as Jesus lets us receive his gifts. And what's that grace? The grace says your sins are forgiven. The grace is, how long do you think you're going to live? You have eternity. That grace is salvation. That's a service where the king stoops now and gives us his kingdom to eat and to drink, to keep us awake by his true presence. As the crucified king then, his giving comes to care for our times, even for you, as he will come again in glory before all. Christian life is triumph. But beyond our hands, you understand? Beyond our hands, for Jesus wants us to hear again and again. And every time you have doubt, every time you have something rise up in this world, to hear again, heaven and earth will pass away. That includes us. But my word will not pass away. Our salvation, Christ accomplished. It's no joke. So dare now to receive from him. His word and sacraments are the glory given to his church. The increasing last days only drive an increase to our Lord's service. Jesus brings his righteous judgment to save you and all believers. And he'll keep dishing it out. But who will receive? What is faith in God and love for our neighbor comes from the consistency of what Jesus gives today that awakens us to his kingdom and it has no end. It will reveal for the full glory of what it is on the last day. Times are changing. Tough. It's what it is. Look at history. But a true shake-up is upcoming upon the world. Jesus lived, died, rose for you. Hold to his good news. Even as he's come again in glory, he will do that even as we have been given work to do. All sins are forgiven. Life reigns over death. There's no loss, only eternal gain from Christ. And so this mixed bag of life that we are in before Christ's return has the promise of what St. Paul says. Now nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Since the last day is to reveal Christ's return in all glory and power, to notice him today. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.
And at this time, we'll continue with the prayer of the church.